What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of On the Power Play. It's me, your boy Brian, always joined by my fantastic co-hosts Adam and Matt. How we doing, buddies? Boys, it is so Ooh. cold in my house. Like, dude, it's actually kind of hot in my house. Really? Yeah. It's like two two different scenarios from two is different people. Is this the part where and... I'm supposed to say, "In my house is just right"? Like, oh, right yeah, I believe that's how the. Uh, Okay. How the rhyme goes, yes, you have to. I am you know, the third has, bear. You are the third bear. You're the just right bear, <laughs> which actually makes a lot of sense in the grand scheme of things. What? It does. Yeah. All that evens out. It all evens out. It does. It does. Um, So not a ton of news in the NHL currently. We obviously have some breaking news that uh, came through tonight. Uh, we have the upcoming GM meetings. Uh, a lot of this episode, uh, for those of you that... Uh, Actually, for all people, even Flyers fans included, is unfortunately going to be about the Flyers. Um, just because they seem to have made the uh, biggest splash in the last week with what is going on within the organization there. So that's going to dominate most of the episode. But I want to start off with, as we speak right now, there is uh, on Disney Plus, there is a game <laughs> rendition happening currently of the Capitals Rangers game. And Adam is in the middle of watching it. Adam, can you give the people a synopsis of your opinion so far of the, what? what's it called? City Greens? The Big, Big City... City Greens Classic. <laughs> it's First a, of all, uh, what is Big City Greens? Is that a show? It's a kid's show that's on Disney. Um, like, just think of like any kid uh, kid show we grew up with in the 90s, and that's the good pretty ones. much what this is. Yeah, the good ones. I mean, I feel like this would actually be good for uh, the kids of this generation, but I digress. Um, but yeah, no, so take here. It's also on uh ESPN Plus. So if you have ESPN Plus, you can also catch uh, I'm sure you're going to be able to catch the uh, the replay of it on ESPN Plus, Disney Plus, wherever, whatever plus you have, you can watch this game. But take what you know of the NFL's partnership with Nickelodeon, where they have like the slime time games or whatever they call them. And they have like the animated graphics on the screen and people getting slimed and SpongeBob and Patrick come in and call the game and all those shenanigans. Take that and make it completely animated. Oh my god, they made what? the referees birds. Yeah, the <laughs> so the birds. Me to it. The, the are referees are chickens. No, they're chickens. The chickens, not pigeons. The referees are chickens. They fly in and drop the puck. Um, the goaltenders, I don't know who's in net for Washington. I should probably look that up, but I don't care enough. Uh, but he's the father character of the show. And Grandma is in net for the New York Rangers in place of Igor Shesterkin. Uh, the two main character kids are also playing on the ice. I don't know if they're on the same team or not. I actually just saw one skate past, but I didn't catch the jersey yeah, they were wearing. I, I currently turned the game on because I just, I got interested. Um... Oh gosh! Now it's the puck point of view. That's that's something. Yeah, uh, it's um, yeah. Puck this is definitely like it looks like I'm in the middle of playing backyard hockey, like the the old yes, PC game. I can, yeah, I, I think that's a really good way of um, describing if you're not, if you're not watching the game what we're looking at. Um, like it has all the same characteristics of that kind of game. Yeah, it's uh, it's being called by Kevin Weeks. And I think Dave Carter. Um, who are also in mocap sh- suits and they're being animated into the world. So, like, they'll cut to them sitting at the desk 
At one point, Kevin Weeks was animated in his goalie pads talking about goaltender movement. Um, the biggest takeaway I got is this seems like it's a uh, an introduction to new young hockey fans on what hockey is, what the rules of the game are. They've been going over what icing and offside rules are. I saw, which I thought was a brilliant idea. Um, and it's just, it's fun. It's different. I think it's a good way to get young fans into the game. It's a little janky. I'll, I'll it is, give yeah. you that much. It's it's a little janky. The one goal I saw scored, it was it was a little janky. But yeah, it's I mean, not what, terrible. It's pretty. Fun. What I find what I find kind of funny here is that there's there's a couple of moments where I I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's uh, the speed of that the puck is moving off of somebody's stick will dictate the animation. So if it's like slap shot speed, the animation will be a slap shot. Which is incredibly funny because some of these guys pass to each other at what a computer might consider slap shot speed. So I'm watching these people at the point just clap it back at each other in these animations, knowing full well these are probably just hard passes. And they're not just coming across sending yeah. clap bombs at each other from across the blue line. Which arguably would be way funnier if they were. I just think this whole thing's awesome. There's a uh, a giant blue man. That is a security guard for the penalty box, which I think is tremendous. Um, There's a zoo in the streets. Why is there a zoo in the streets? Listen, man, I I don't know. Why why are the corners comprised of a news van and a fire truck? That's a very good point. I don't know what to tell you. Pig city. Yeah, I do do have to say, obviously, you know, us being in our 20s, right? um, This is kind of weird for us. Oh, get in. That's a goal. Well, <laughs> um, that was cool to see. Um, I love it. I, I listen. I, honestly, I'm a child this is heart. it is really fun. I love it. It's really fun. I kind of love this. Um, this, 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 I think this is my, cool. My two favorite things from this. Oh my god, that animated face on whoever that was. Oh my god. Um, no, my favorite thing about this is Grandma is a goalie. I just think that's tremendous. That a old old woman is what they decided to put in net for the Rangers and she's doing tremendously well. Um, and that the chickens are the referees. Yeah, that's so good. This is, this is really, honestly, this is like really cool. I mean, obviously it is made for kids, so it's not really for our, uh, viewing pleasure, but if you, if you look at it that way, like for us, if you look at it at the way of being made for kids, I think this is really well done. Um, Um, this is cool. This is really cool stuff here. Um, interesting, interesting. Uh, to move into some other NHL news past the animated Capitals Rangers <laughs> game currently going on, uh, a big blow to the Carolina Hurricanes uh, right now. Andre Svechnikov will have season-ending ACL surgery on his right knee uh, later this week. The team announced uh, today, the day of the recording, Tuesday, so... Yesterday, for those listening the next day, um, he apparently went through a couple of different medical options uh, and it was decided that surgery was required. Um, Here's a quote from Hurricanes president and GM Don Waddell, uh, quote, after further consultation with global experts in this field, it has been determined that the best course of action for Andre's future is to have this surgery and to have it done by our team orthopedist, Dr. Marty Isbell. So. That's kind of a tough blow 
to a Hurricanes team that was, you know, kind of attempting down the stretch here to make a run at the first seed, although not realistic, let's be honest here. Um, but, you know, attempting to make a run at it for all it's worth. That's a huge offensive power out of your lineup now. So far this year, 23 goals, 32 assists for 55 points. Um, obviously, uh, he's just one of the many pieces that, that do make the Carolina Hurricanes one of the best teams in the league. Uh, but how do you guys think that the losing Andre is going to affect this Carolina team uh, who currently sits with a 43-14-8 and eight record at 94 points? Could be huge, man, especially if they drop off and they go in second or third and then they their opponents in the first round changes from either one of the wild card teams, whoever that's going to be, to the Rangers. And, uh, you know, you look at it now, it's like you could say Rangers aren't playing great hockey because they're not, not. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like if you once you get in the playoffs, everything kind of resets. And when you get like when you're missing one of your best overall players, like from the D zone to the neutral zone to the offensive zone, because that's what Spetsikov brings is just a, a strong three way game. Like it's good. It might really might be their downfall, especially if the Rangers actually heat up and find their find their juice. You know, well, I mean? right now the Rangers are currently throttling Washington in the second here four one. So yeah, you could say they're having a pretty animated game right now. Ah, God, I hate you so much. <laughs> so I did not need that right now. Didn't need it. I needed it. I'm Damn not it, watching. Damn I'm it. not watching it. I needed it. He did oh it for God. Me. <laughs> the boys get animated. That would be cool if we could do something like that. If we had That's that kind the of technology. Title of the episode. The boys get animated. <laughs> yeah, baby. Um, yeah, I mean, it really could uh, affect Carolina moving down the stretch here. Obviously, they're tied currently with New Jersey at the top of the East, or not the East, the Metro. And the Rangers definitely aren't that far, too far off. They do. They are 10 points away. But you're right. If they catch fire, they're, they're right there. Um, but I really don't I think, think their playoffs is set. I mean, as like right. catching fire is like going into the first round, like feeling good right. about themselves. Right. I think, I, I think that, I think the first overall, I think Devils are probably winning the division. This kind of solidifies it. Yeah. You definitely could, you could say that, especially with how well the Devils are playing. And obviously, you know, with the injury to Svechnikov. Uh, right now, uh, according to Daily Faceoff, the Hurricanes will be moving Jesse Puyarvi up to wing on the first line. So it'll be Puyarvi, Aho, and Jarvis on the first line. Um, I don't. Like I don't this. know. Looking at their looking at their lineup right now on Daily Faceoff, it's still a damn good lineup. Like we can't just because they're missing a pretty good offensive player does not mean the rest of the lineup is not good. It's just clearly missing a piece in there. You know. Uh, Adam, what about you? How do you think uh, losing Andre Sveshnikov is really going to impact the uh, Canes moving down the line here? I think it's going to. I think you kind of nailed the, the the nail on the head there. With there's a definite piece missing, and one of the first things my brain went to was the fact that once it was pretty much set that they weren't going to land Timo, they kind of just said we were done with the deadline. They made a couple of minor moves, and that was it. I'm wondering how much they're going to regret that now. 
because Timo would have been the player that 100% replaces Svechnikov in this situation. I don't right. think there's any other way to look at that. Um, so, I mean, I'm I'm not even really sure if there is another move they could have made, but I feel like if you're going to go for the big fish and it doesn't work, maybe try and aim your sights. Not, you know, Patrick Kane, Timo Meyer level, but there had to be somebody out there that maybe you could have offered the package that you were planning on offering for Timo to somebody and, and nailing that missing piece that you now have. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously you're, you're right. Tammy Meyer would definitely be the guy you would, you would put in there in his place, if not put in there above him when he was healthy anyways. Uh, so definitely not getting that guy at the trade deadline kind of looks pretty glaring now in hindsight. I, look, I still think that both teams are pretty comparable, but the missing link of Andrei Svechnikov, I think is probably going to be big kind of moving down the, uh, the way here into the playoffs, uh, just because that's a guy that the you know team can kind of lean on been with the team for a while, a veteran in the league, um, somebody that's been there with that organization before. That's kind of a guy you want in the locker room in the playoffs. So that's, yeah. I think that's going to be kind of tough, but you, they do have other guys in that locker room to lead on as far as leadership is concerned. So I wouldn't be too too worried but it could definitely show if they make it out of the first round to the second round could definitely start to show then that missing link in that lineup there um all righty keep pushing along we have the gm meetings this week uh so basically that's uh obviously it, it is as described it's a meeting with the gms in the league they get together to talk some things out how the year has gone what some people might want to bring up to have uh, rule changes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so this is the kind of time where I want to open the floor to uh, to you two gentlemen. Are there any rules that you guys have seen this year or you guys have been thinking about that you would want to see enacted? Are there any rules that you would like to see removed, et cetera? Um, any stuff like that? Well, I've always been fascinated by these GM meetings. Like, I really think, like, I always thought they were, like, kind of a formal thing, like, all the GMs are dressed in suits, sitting around a big table with the commissioner, Gary Bedman at the end, like talking about stuff. But now I think about it and how it like how these player people act in the sport of hockey, it's like they're probably all just drinking beers and drinking alcohol and cursing and fucking getting rowdy. And then it's like, all right, let's let's talk about the product. Let's talk about this, this, this. Um I think um, I remember uh, Elliot Freeman talked about on the uh, Hockey Night Canada and their uh, intermission. They were talking about um, the uh, the fighting, uh, fighting after a clean hit is thrown, and uh, the instigation penalty being called on a player fighting a player who threw a clean hit. Now, to me, that's all just a bunch of talk about, like, yeah, we kind of want fighting to go away in the sport. You know, we don't want people fighting because, like, that's kind of a big reason why people fight is now. It's like after a big hit, you stand up for a teammate. But right. it does make sense, like, shouldn't have to fight after you threw a clean check. 
Uh, right. So that's where I think the instigation could it could work. Um, to be honest, I really don't think we'll get much of any news of like serious talks. It's like everyone keeps talking about the same thing of what they want. They want five minutes more in overtime. Everyone keeps saying it. The star player wants say it. it. Yep. The general managers say it. Everybody says it. But yeah, Gary Bettman's like, nah, five minutes, then shoot out. So that's where I would want to like I'm still on board with everybody else. Like add five more minutes to overtime. Okay. I Ooh. like where you're going with that. I, I think you actually you kind of took my my two main ones, to be honest uh-huh. with you. Uh Sorry for, well, I mean, sorry I can, for... I can, I can talk about it as well. But uh, Adam, I'll let, I'll let you go if you have anything that uh, you think in the interim would be good as well. Not that I can really think of, other than the things I'm already seeing, kind of talked about. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was Darren Dredger had tweeted out yesterday that in these meetings they're talking about expanding the coach challenge to. Uh, review high sticks and puck over glass penalties. Um, I feel like the reviews can be expanded upon, but they do have to figure out a way to make them not take 30,000 years to go over. Right. Like, I understand they have a thousand angles, but I watch, I don't know if any of you boys have caught any of the XFL games. I have, yes. Yeah, I've caught a couple of them. So, So you've seen their... Um, their control room whenever they're reviewing a play and the guy that's in there looking at all the angles, why can they get a call done in less than a minute in some situations? And the NHL, it takes 10 to 15. Yeah, and there's one of the main big four sports can't get it done. And it's two people in one room looking at one monitor. Like, I understand at any given time, like for the XFL, it's eight teams, I think, maybe less, and they have one game going on at a time, usually the way that their schedule is staggered out. And the NHL, you could have anywhere from two to, like, 16 games going on in a given day. So I understand you have a lot of feeds, so you have to have a lot of eyes and a lot of people looking at all that stuff, but there still has to be a better way to streamline that. Um, So that would be something I'd like them to talk about is Expanding the reviews because there are certain things I think that need to be reviewed more. Um, limiting the time on the reviews, which is something I've heard a lot of people talk about. And the other thing they're talking about, which I think is a great idea, is making the cut resistant material for players mandatory. So you don't see as many skate cuts on guys like what happened to Evander Kane. What was that the beginning of the season when he had his hand? gashed open from yeah now now for that material where are you putting that on the body i think they're talking obviously it would be probably like the entire arm so i would say if not from if not basically like a a thing of like chain mail that you wear as a shirt that goes across both arms it would probably be like a like a, a wrist guard so i'd say from like the wrist up to like the elbow would be but then but then what about piece. the hand though that's the only well that would be covered on the glove i i haven't heard of too many people getting cuts directly on the hand true true um so you you would make this whatever this material is go from 
basically whatever would be exposed that's not guarded. So obviously, like the entire arm, um, probably from the knee down to the ankle, because I'm not right. sure if there's many gashes that are happening on the upper thigh, um, with the the hockey pants. So, I mean, that's something that they would have to talk about. I feel like that'd be a discussion that would go the same way as, like, the visors, where either it's something that new players coming in have to wear, and all the players currently in the league are grandfathered into, you don't have to wear it, you can if you want to, kind of like what the visors were, um, where now all new players have to wear visors, but guys like Zdeno Chara didn't have to wear them. I think Joe Thornton didn't have to wear them. I don't remember. Nah, I'm trying to think of players that aren't wearing that aren't wearing visors. I know that it's like there's maybe two left. I think in the entire league that don't right. wear visors anymore. Yeah, um, I believe so they're I both see them go reps, right? Way. Yeah, there's no players that don't have visors anymore, right? I think I think there's at least two. I don't know who they are, but I feel like Oops. there's at least two. I'm trying to think. Does Patrick Maroon wear a visor? I think he does. So Patty Maroon. Oh, Milan Lucic is the and Milan Lucic, oh. Jamie Ben. Ben doesn't wear a visor. Okay. Ryan O'Reilly. O'Reilly doesn't wear one. Zach Cassian. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, that's right. Um Revo. Jordy Ben is, is Jordy Ben on a roster at this point. Is he in Montreal or is he in Toronto? Toronto. He's on Toronto roster. Hey, All right, so there's a, there's actually know. a handful of guys. That, uh, I thought there there's more than I thought. I thought it was like yeah, that's a, that's actually uh, quite an amount. Um, um but I, could I see like the, the uh, cut resistant going. Yeah, I way. like that idea. I think it's a really good idea to be honest with you. Just because yeah, you would. Uh, you would see a lot less injuries like that, especially if you kind of made it more of like a, uh, like uh, there are a lot of guys I played hockey with, you know, in, in my years playing that just wore turtlenecks like under their equipment, just to, just to wear it. If you made it some sort of like turtleneck material where it kind of like came up to here, mm. you wouldn't run into a Clint Malarchuk situation. Right. Or, you know, then if it goes all the way to the wrists, like you would run into a Evander Kane situation. So I think that's a really good idea. Actually. I like that a lot. Um, I don't know how it would work with goalies. I feel like that could become a, small issue for some reason i mean i'm not sure why if it's just like a turtleneck sweater type of deal that's just uh cut resistant material i don't think anybody would have like problems with that you know well yeah i I could see that i don't know but those are the two things i wouldn't mind well they're already talking about but those are the things i really agree with um But outside of those, like I don't have a problem with the way overtime works. I don't have a problem with the shootout. I don't have a problem with um You're one you're the only man the on the island, buddy. You're the only I know. Man on I, the I don't get it. I don't I honestly don't get it. Like I think yeah. the, the shootout to me isn't a bad thing. I think it's a really good showcase of skill. Um I don't mind the three on three there. I see the intrigue there, but I mean, either way, the way it used to be or the way it is now doesn't bother me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the only thing I hope they don't go and do is more advertisements on jerseys. I think everything the way it is advertisement-wise is pretty solid. 
the other thing I did just think of though that apparently they were going to discuss was how three team trades are handled because apparently uh, at least one team was not happy with how the three team trades went. Um, so apparently they're going to be talking about that. Interesting. But, yeah, the story went that uh, we all know how how trades usually go. Team A calls Central Registry. They have the, the trade logs. Team B will do the same thing. They have the trade log. Central Registry will register it, make sure everything checks out, like salary cap, contract limits, all, all that, all that stuff that no one really ever cares about if you're a fan. It's all just paperwork. Right. Um, for three team trades, apparently, and the story that this team that's allegedly complaining is talking about is the trade was discussed amongst the GMs. Everything was, you know, handshake deal. Team A calls Central Registry, who then calls Team B and C, and Team C turned around and goes, that wasn't the trade I agreed on. What do you... No, I didn't agree to that at all. And they said, huh. well, that's... That's, that's how the it was call. That's input. what we registered. Right. That's what it is. So, sorry. So... Well, didn't that happen with the... Um... Oh, shoot. There was a trade between the Flyers and the Rangers a couple years back. That I don't know. I thought when you were I say a couple years back. I mean, trade. maybe the two, maybe the 2000s. Um, do you remember, Matt? Was it Lindros? I did trade Lindros the Rangers. Was it the Lindros trade where there was an issue like that? Lindros trade. I do. I, that was something I was actually going to bring up to like piggyback on you. Um, I think one of the things I would like to see brought up at the GM meetings is definitely, um, I don't know, something to maybe entice the league to do a little more at the trade deadline or not, you know, do a little more, but make the, make the trading process a bit easier. Cause all these like future considerations that turn into nothing. And these three team, four team trades, it's just a little, little too much for me. Like, I don't, I'm not saying put restrictions on there or anything like that, but like, I hate the idea of future considerations as a trade piece. I would like to see that eradicated. Um, yeah, it is kind of a no offense to our yeah, homie, yeah. future considerations. Yeah. He had a great, oh, career. yeah, no, we love you. Um, you're, you're yeah, great. No, great dude, great dude, friend of the pod. Had a fantastic run, right? You're a little too old now, okay? Time to hang <laughs> up the skates. <laughs> it's it's time to retire, I think. Future considerations, you've played for a lot of teams, uh, a lot of times. Listen, listen, a lot. future, listen, future. <laughs> if if Yaramir Yager could still play in Europe, you could do whatever the hell you want. Look, like if you want to go play in Euro, that's fine. If you and Mrs. Considerations want to want to go play across seas, take take the kids, you know, um, past and present considerations. <laughs> I like presents. Bring the bring the whole family. <laughs> oh, oh no. god, it's so good. The bits, oh, it's so good. The bits. Uh, you can never Aston listen to Bits Prison. Die. The bits are what keeps podcasts going, folks. Oh God. The uh, present considerations. But, but I would I would definitely like to see future considerations not be a, a, oh, a tradable asset. Um just because I think as time has shown, it provides nothing 
and most times it's been traded, it was for a salary dump. I don't like the whole idea of salary dumping, uh, which is coming from a Flyers fan who right now desperately needs salary dumping. Um, But I'm just talking as a hockey fan, right? I think it, like if I'm a team on the outside looking into the Flyers, I'm like, no, you dumbasses did this to yourself. You have to, you have to deal with the, the decisions you made or put together a fair enough trade for somebody to want to take that player over. Right. The, the whole future considerations and, and all that shit is just, I, I've never agreed with it. I don't think it's uh I don't think it should be able to be traded as a tangible asset. That's just me. Yeah. Uh, but in in other things I'd like to see discussed at the GM meetings, I would like to see the uh, I'm on board with the um, protection equipment there. The uh, the cut resistant, the cut resistant protection yeah. there. I didn't even know that, that was something that might be on the board. So I think that's something that would be really cool and very beneficial for the for the league, which is great because player safety is very important with especially how fast the game is getting nowadays. Anything could happen. Uh, and especially when Brad Marchand's out there licking people and Brandon Lemieux's out there biting people, who knows what's going to happen, right? So you got you to gotta be protected at all times. Um, hey, speaking of Brandon Lemieux, a current Philadelphia Flyer, that poor, poor sap. Um, let's let's talk about those Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, for the record here, folks, if you are a Flyers fan, I'm sorry. And if you're not a Flyers fan, I'm also sorry. Uh, this segment's going to be long. There's probably going to be some yelling. It's um, all going to be for you guys. I will chime in when I need to. See, we're going to need you. We're going to need you to chime in because you're an outside source here. Because oh no, I am vehemently angry at this franchise. I don't know how Matt feels. He's probably feeling okay by some act of God. He looks pretty uh, so chill. So we're gonna all things considered, we're gonna we're gonna need you to balance this out as an outside perspective, right? Oh boy. Um, so let's just go over let's just go over the facts first before we bring any opinions in here. Straight facts. So the Flyers this last week relieved uh, general manager Chuck Fletcher of his duties and uh, hired as an interim GM Daniel Briere, former Flyers player, former uh, former Sabres player, also played for the Montreal Canadiens there for a little stint at the end of his and career. The Yotes. And the, the Yotes. Yotes. Let's not forget his time with the Yotes. Oh, why um, does every the, star player go to the Yotes at some point in their career? Some started just don't with even the, play. Started with the Yotes. He got uh, drafted by the Yotes. Yeah. yeah. And then he went to then he I'm went sorry. to Buffalo, Philadelphia. Buffalo. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. <laughs> but now Dana Briere is the interim GM. As far as all reports as I'm seeing, they plan on the offseason of getting a deal done with Daniel Briere and moving forward with him being the GM of the future. Uh, during his press conference, I would say he struck me as somebody who is uh, about to be in control. It did not seem like he had any questions about whether or not the interim title was true and actually um, interim the way that it was uh, explained. But um, how, how did you how did you receive his uh, press conference, Matt? I'm, I'm sure you watched it as well. Yeah. He he didn't really seem like a guy that um, was like, oh, I'm just the interim general manager. Like, I'm not really here to make big decisions for the franchise. Like, he sat there in front of the mic and he explained, like, this isn't going to be. Uh, here's his exact quote. Quote, I don't think this is a quick fix. That's my belief. And that's why I'm not afraid to use the word rebuild. That is not a guy who thinks his job is in jeopardy. Right. 
Well, I think it's important that he instills the confidence because all the people listening don't really have the confidence. So when you hear the man that has been hired that has the confidence to be able to do the job and, in his opinion, do it well, like, obviously he should be talking as a confident person. I mean, he's... He said in the interview that he's he's been grooming, he's been waiting for this. Like he's been preparing, even in his last couple of years of being a player when he was with Montreal and then finished his career with Colorado. Like he got to see, like how how front offices construct their teams from the ground up, and so he's like, I've always you know, I always knew this is what I was gonna do at my post career um uh, yeah i think it's pretty certain he'll stay gm mainly because um i think they wanted to keep tortorella as head coach and if they bring in a new gm usually the new gm likes to instill their own guy right so that's kind of like they kind of want to keep torts in that position Mm-hmm. And so, but they're they're definitely going to hire a new president of hockey operations. They're probably going to yes. recycle more pieces that aren't talked about. I think a couple of places will stay. Like I think Brant Fleur. Yeah, the assistant, the assistant, stay. the assistant GM is uh planning on staying, according to Dana Blair. Yeah. So like, which I have no problem with. Like, I, he his resume is pretty stacked. Like, won a cup with LA. Like, he's which I have no problem with. Um, as far yes. as Briere is concerned, um, he does kind of seem like a guy who always wanted this position, which is awesome. I mean, I mean, he loves his place. Yeah. He loves he loves Philadelphia. He loves the Flyers. Loves the fans. Lo- love playing here. Like, um, but as far as what he's gonna do, like, you know, it's. You know, uh, he he mentioned that he's not going to fire Sale. I don't think he should fire Sale. I mean, you got a lot of pretty quality young players that, you know, are still early in their careers. Um, As far as, like, you know, where a rebuild can take you, I mean, obviously they, they mentioned it. Even with Chuck was still in his last days of being general manager, they were saying they were going to do it right. It's like we can't keep keep trying to fill holes like we have to try and do it right here um and that's you know that's telling man um it's telling that you know they're they're willing to make a change and be patient with it and you know for the fan base perspective i mean they just want to hear a concise message like they don't they don't want to hear like aggressive retool and then the only real aggressive retool is picking up d'angelo and then a, a grinder and nick delorier like that's right. not aggressive retool um so as far as you know with the, having a clear picture i think more needs to happen like like as far as like the front office changes you'll see and then really we're not going to see anything like defining until the off season comes around only thing really we are going to see right now is like the opportunities that some kids get, i.e. like Tyson Forrester and 
Elliot Denoye and like yeah. guys coming up from the minors who kind of earned that chance to be in the big leagues. Cause yeah, like no, like Noah Cates' brother Jackson Cates. Like you're gonna see. Well, guys I don't think like Jackson's. That. I don't think Jackson's getting a chance up here. But you, you could, no? yeah, yeah. No, no, no. He, yeah, he's not. He hasn't earned it as far as like. Honestly, at this or, point, why the fuck not? As far as I'm concerned, fuck it. Well, they were only they How only got they only got four transactions. Like they only got four call ups. And they were able to have all these call ups because of a emergency contact, yeah, like right. emergency. So they they still have the four, yeah, emergency. Yeah. So um, that's really heavy the air quotes gonna, on emergency. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's really the only thing you're going to be seeing right now, right? Uh, they're going to you know let everything play out as far as what to expect. I mean, don't expect much more. Literally, the, right. the lowest scoring team in hockey right now. That meant. Uh, I it kind of broke my heart when I was watching the uh, uh, Flyers and uh, it was um, who who they play last game they play they were on the road and they played uh, Pittsburgh yes Pittsburgh oh the and, Penguins uh, game they oh, were, okay. yeah and they were saying um, the two as uh, <sighs> coming out of the All Star break the two lowest scoring teams in hockey are the Flyers and the Sharks and it was just like. Yeah, on boys. The power, on the power. Run the podcast, play. baby. On, on the power, power play, play's finest. Um, ah, yeah. So thing. it's yeah. All curse to us. You know, we're in. Right. You know, we're in tough times, boys, and we continue to talk about stuff. So, you know, let's pat ourselves on the back, right there. Yeah, we're still um, we're still grinding out here. Yeah. Um, um, as far as like encouragement, I mean, lots of lots gonna happen, dude. Like a lot of tough questions. Uh. I, you know, as far as who they bring in, like, I don't think Chris Pronger is going to be here because I'm pretty sure he's still a part of St. Louis Blues organization in the front office. I don't think he's going to change that. Uh, as right. far as Lindros, because um, uh, there are rumblings that Eric might fill in this position. I mean, there's no question he's been around the 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 franchise for the past couple of years, like doing stuff for season ticket holders and, you know, just being there, showing his face as far as like taking him in the front office and seeing what his, uh, what his opinions are and on constructing a hockey team. Um, kind of, kind of on the fence, you know, see what happens. Um, another name, Eddie Olchuk. I've always respected Eddie O's, uh, hockey, I hockey, IQ and how mm-hmm. he understands the game. And like I said, a lot of fans want an outside voice to come in because they're tired yeah. of, you know, I mean, I mean, we can't say you're tired because we just picked the air to be in. Right. And, and I'll, and I'll bring, I'll bring that up. Right. But, well. um, but yeah, they, a lot of fans want that outside voice. I, I don't think it would be bad. Uh, as far as what his picture would be. I mean, I don't know if he's, I don't know if Eddie O is a guy, kind of guy who's going to be on board with trading a guy like Carter Hart because he he states he's like if you don't have goaltending it goes you don't have a chance and he states that right but then again we have goaltending and look where we are right and now and still don't have a chance yeah right right uh so uh, a lot of changes are going to happen uh Ali Freeman was talking about uh during Hockey Night in Canada uh. You know this this position, the president of hockey ops is going to be a uh, a pretty one. Like a lot of people are going to want it. It's going to be a high right. value job. So uh, right, and that, and that is far, pretty much 
as that far is pretty as, much going to be the oh go ahead sorry no, uh, i was going to say as far as like rebuilding i know people are always like we're five years away from being five years away and this and that this that this that is like, i agree the, with those people that's that you're talking to your opinion as far as you know it's like you know getting healthy which i think should be important like you got some key pieces that are hurt and haven't played and i think they would make a, a huge difference on this team but you know it's like you add a superstar like bedard man and it's gonna answer a lot of questions that this franchise has um so that's why i'm like you know it's like see where they fall in the draft and then you'll come to the ter- determination of how long this process will be but they they do seem like they want to go through their process which i think they're already going through i mean they're gonna get a top end pick like yeah but it's not gonna be the superstar the team needs um you know before, that, man. Before... It's a draft lottery. They're down there. Like they're, you know, they're probably gonna get passed by Arizona. They just got passed by Vink. They're probably gonna get passed by Montreal. So I mean, they're you know in the bottom four. And they are in... in the bottom. We've been in the bottom four before. Where has that gotten the organization? You guys are tied. When for was the last sixth. time we won a cup? I'm talking about acquiring top end. Draft capital. You didn't say cup, 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 cup. And at the end of the day, you got to build towards it, right? Right? And you haven't won one since 1975. Come close in all the generations. So you can't say it's like they haven't even been close. Can't say they haven't even been close. They've been close. They've yeah, but every time they lost, the every time they lost to a better team. So you just didn't, you just didn't have the best team. I mean, well, because you've never built one. You never built the best team never happened um before i start getting pissed off i'm gonna to try to leave that for Sound pissed a couple off, minutes buddy. here you, i am i'm just you're, I'm, you're way past it i'm so upset um so i have a couple takeaways from the uh from the daniel briere presser um first one is that he definitely i think he's gonna to prefer to be the gm and not the uh the president of hockey ops so Matt's assessment would be correct. I think that the uh, hockey operations job is the one that's going to be available. I think Danny wants kind of his hands on the team a bit more, wants to be the GM, make the decisions, kind of figure out where the team's going to be going from here. So that's, I guess, something. Uh, Yeah, Brent Flair, uh, the assistant GM, is not going to be fired. Uh, When Briere was asked about it, he said, quote, that's my expectation. I have a great relationship with Brent. He's been tremendous. He's included me on everything since I started working with Chuck. I have a lot of confidence in Brent. You look at a track record at the draft, it's pretty impressive. So, yeah, I would say so. So it sounds like he's going to be on the staff still uh, and is going to remain the assistant GM for uh, Briere's tenure, however long that might be. Um, and, Matt, you, you nailed it. Uh, a, a quote from uh, Briere directly, it's a rebuild, not a fire sale. Um, so I'm going to – this this one uh, sticks with me because – the problem is, is in order to rebuild, you have to fire sale. There's no rebuild while keeping talent. You can't keep talent. You have to be the worst because there's something the Flyers have always lacked, and that is a superstar, a top-end score. Somebody's going to lead the league in goals. Somebody's going to lead the league in assists. Somebody's going to lead the league in anything pertinent to scoring goals. Uh, the Flyers, last time they had that was Eric Lindros, and that was the late 90s, early 2000s. Since then, we just haven't had it. It hasn't been a thing that's been on this roster. So 
In order to get that, you need a top pick or a top two pick, which I don't even know if I trust them to draft that in the first place because I just guarantee they'd fuck it up. But you have to fire sale to be that bad. You can't have talent on a team that needs to be that bad. And I'm not one to support that kind of rebuilding because obviously I think it's bad for any league, anything like that, et cetera. But as a Flyers fan who knows the reality of what will make the team better, you can't keep talented players. Here's the problem. These players have such egregious contracts, you can't move them. Because, you know, they're not as talented as the money that they're making, which could prove to be a problem. So, <sighs> to be honest, it's it's come to a point where I agree with the people that say we're five years away from being five years away because I can't put any faith or trust in this organization to make the right decisions. Because they haven't. They haven't for years. They've done nothing except for fill the holes in the boat with a paper towel roll, right? Yes, you've made the league slower. Water's still getting into the boat. And here we are, 10 plus years later, sinking. Because you never actually fix the problem. You just stuff the hole with paper towel. So now that the boat has officially sunk, we're at the bottom of the ocean here. How does one start to rebuild a boat? Well, you have to start rebuilding by having nothing. In order to have the idea of building a boat, you have to first have an idea, and then utensils, and then nothing except for the wood, the parts, the etc., in order to put a boat back together. Here's the problem. Right now, we have a bunch of broken pieces of a boat with nothing to hold them together. Get rid of the old pieces of boat. They're they're dry rotted. They're broken. They're missing half of them. Um, you have to just get rid of the old boat. Let the bitch sink. See you later. See you never. I don't give a fuck to be honest with you. Uh, all of them. Uh, I'll just I'm I'm gonna run down the roster right now and uh, tell you who I think should get should be run, traded. Run Kevin down Hayes. the pieces of the boat. Kevin Hayes, trade. James Ann Reemsdyke, I don't know. Let him let him go wherever yeah. he wants to. Uh, retire. I don't give a damn. Joel Farabee, <laughs> maybe keep, probably trade. Scott Lawton, trade. Nicholas Delorier, he can't go anywhere, so he stays. Owen Tippett, yeah, we'll keep him. Brandon Lemieux, I don't care. Uh, Kiefer Bellows, <laughs> do, you don't matter. No, Cates, keep him. Tyson Forrester, keep him. Morgan Frost, throw off a bridge. Uh, Wade Allison, keep him. Tanner Lazinski, I'm not even quite sure. Uh, all, all these defensemen, Fuck him, except for Cam York. Keep him around. The rest of them, see you never. Uh, Carter Hart, I'm sorry. I love you. Wherever you go next, I'll probably buy your jersey because I really like the way you goaltend. I think you're an incredible talent. You are wasting your entire career in this city. Leave. Run. Sprint, my boy. Uh, Samuel Larson, I don't know. Prove that you're good here and get paid somewhere else. Could be cool. Um, oh, 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 all these guys that are hurt. Sean Couturier, yeah, get rid of him. Cam, uh, Cam Atkinson. Don't need you. Travis Konecny, I, I don't care anymore. Uh, Ryan Ellis, I don't believe exists, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive he doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and so that's my general synopsis of the Philadelphia Flyers roster right now. So basically what I'm saying is the only things to keep are your young players, even if they're not talented, because basically – 
it is going to be five years of bad and another five years of we're getting there. Okay. If these players don't, if the players that have current contracts with the Philadelphia Flyers don't fit into that timeline, like your Rasmus Ristolainen's, your Kevin Hayes's, your Travis Sandheim's, Ivan Provorov's, Tony D'Angelo's, Travis Konecki's, I'll just keep going on the roster, Sean Couturier's, Scott Lawton's, et cetera, et cetera. They got to go. Get back what you can. I think Scott Lawton fits that timeline. How? By the time we're good again in 10 years, he's going to be 40. 33. I put him captain. If you're looking for a captain, I'd at put 40 him... years old, no, I put him captain fucking now, motherfucker. What do you mean? For now? what? Captain, captain, what? Is this even a hockey team at this point? He's not captaining anything. He wants to fucking be a leader and he wants to be here. Don't waste your time here. Be a leader somewhere else. It's like, this isn't, this is not the way any professional sports team should be run. This is horrendous. This is why I want the team to be sold to anybody that cares. You know, like Comcast Spectacore just does not give a fuck about the fans, the team, the organization, anything. And it's been made abundantly clear these last couple of years. So why have we not attempted to sell the team? If you don't care and you don't care about the fans, why are you still paying for the organization? Just sell the damn thing. Somebody's going to buy it. The 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 Ottawa Senators are currently on on the market for maybe a billion dollars. Okay, that that franchise has no cups, not a one. Right? Is that right? They have no cups. What? No, they don't have a cup. No, 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 Senators. No, yeah. So yeah, the Senators don't have a cup, right? I don't think so. I'll, I'll look so. into it while you while you rant. Either way, um, it, you know somebody's willing to buy the organization because of what the organization was was once not currently is but was at one time which was fun to watch hard nose hockey even even in the 2010s when hockey wasn't really hard anymore they were a fun team to watch because they were good and they weren't good because one guy took them all the way there it wasn't a Connor mcdavid situation it was because there was a bunch of good hockey players that played good hockey together and that's why they were fun to watch what we have now is individuals who play hockey don't get me wrong uh not well and not cohesively so basically not a team at all just a culmination of hockey players wearing the same color which is uh i guess kind of funsies however you want to go about that but that's my rant um if if we're gonna look at the bright side here um I can say with with some relative confidence, I think Matt might agree with me that the that Daniel Briere seems to have a plan, which is more than what we've had for the last couple of years. At least there's a plan in place to do something. Now, what that something is, is obviously up to him. But I feel content that he has an idea, a plan. Is it going to hurt? Probably. Are they going to suck for a long time? Absolutely. But at least there's a plan, and at least that plan does involve John Tortorella, who I think is a fantastic coach. But Matt and Adam, if you want to chime in here. If you're John Tortorella, does this not suck? Coming into an organization and immediately embarking on a rebuild? Uh, Like like you're a tenured coach in the league. I think he knows exactly what he got himself into. 
I think it. I think this is his final. And he knows it's his final chapter in this league, having a job, and he wants to make his mark one final time and turning a franchise around that is, you know, falling on tough times. That hasn't used to be. Used to be a pinnacle of hockey. And then, unfortunately, tough times, and I think he wants to be the guy to establish the identity and the standard and instill that in the, a lot of the young players they have because, like, they, they have so many young players, but it's like they want them to be good pros. That's where right. John comes in. Like, they want them to be good pros. They don't just want to be, like, your your your, your – stereotypical athlete like that's just like there because he's good and like he knows he's good but he's not content with getting better they want him to be good pros that play the right fucking way and that's because that's gonna instill their rest of their careers like every every coach every every player that coach played on john tortorella all say the same thing in that they wish they had him at a younger age because he would right. solve so many problems that that there was lacking in that individual's type of game. So as far as torts and what he's in, I think he knows exactly what he's getting himself into. I think he knows exactly the realistic landscape. But I also believe I also believe he's more of an optimist, and he believes he can turn this thing around proper way right and you know maybe maybe this is his final hurrah into uh making sure that the john John tortorella way doesn't leave the league uh by trying to teach these kids how to play the uh the old-fashioned way as it were but adam what what, like if you're john tortorella are you a bit pissed off that your last job basically is a full rebuild uh well first of all i wasn't even aware that that was a a thing if i'm perfectly honest i feel like he has i I feel like there would be another team out there that would want him at some point along the way and i i personally don't think this is it for him i think he'll be with the flyers for the next two or three years um but i don't know if it's i i don't know if it's necessarily you know his last team um I don't well, many I feel like, seventy I feel years like this old is probably to... his last. He's up there in age. Uh, yeah, I'm not maybe, calling him ancient by any means, but you know, aren't many seventy year uh, coaches? And after his contract with the Flyers, he'll be sixty nine. Nice, uh, nice, nice. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I would probably be a little, a little peeved, um, especially considering, yeah, right? and I mean. You guys might disagree with me on this, but I've heard it from at least one other uh, Flyer fan that I'm not associated with. I just so happened to talk to him at work not too long ago, and uh, he said the same thing I've been saying for a while, that prior to the the COVID lockdown, the Flyers were the hottest team with one of the better shots at making a deep playoff run. Um, what happened... Between then and now, I couldn't tell you. I don't know if they just got cold. I don't know Injury. if things fell apart. But even then, I, I can't see. I mean, injuries will derail a team, but at some point, the train gets back on the tracks. And Not for whatever reason, don't get out there. I guess this is fair. 
Well, I, um, I, a lot, a lot of that, I think that 2020 season, that whole run there, I think was a flash in the pan scenario, much like the 2018 Super Bowl winning uh, Eagles was a very flash in the pan situation. Like you look at that roster all the way down, they probably shouldn't have won a Super Bowl. You look at that roster all the way down that Flyers roster. Hey, go birds right on. But like I got the I got this picture book. I got a lot of I got I got to start getting it signed by people. Oh, you should start doing that. Start start going to the uh, training camps before the season. That I like. I heard people get so many signatures there. Um, but but I digress. The uh, the thing like you look at the roster in 2020, and a lot of the same guys on the team right now were on that roster. And this is how the team's playing now. It was a flash in the pan. It was it was a lot of guys were playing above who they were at just the right time. And and the Islanders basically exploited that. They got they got a lead and they just shut everything down that entire series. And that's yeah, but how they ran out of I also feel like I feel like that initial Flyers run where uh the first the first game of the back to back Eastern Conference finals that they made it to. That happened, right? I'm not crazy. Um what, the sentence left my mouth. Yeah, where, where they, they met Tampa twice and lost both. Did that not happen? Am I Maybe making Tampa the playoffs? And no, I don't think yeah. they ever saw I Tampa. I swear that happened. Are you sure? Am I in like the early two, in the early two thousands? No, recently. Nah, they oh, never no. met God, Tampa no. in the playoffs. No, nah, that has not happened. Then what the hell? I, I told you. You thinking of Columbus? See, now, no, I'm pretty sure the Islanders were involved in that. That was when. Oh, uh, the Islanders. I, yeah, the yeah. Islanders. Did. Did I not yeah, the yes, Islanders. the Islanders did. I thought you were saying the Flyers. No, 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 no. I'm comparing the Flyers to the Islanders. Oh, um, yes. The Islanders did play okay. the Lightning twice and lost twice. Yes. Yeah. So the first of that series with the Islanders and the, and the Lightning, I feel like we said the same kind of thing where it was a flash in the pan. There was no way they were going to do that again. This is unreal. Da, 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 da. And then they did it again. And who's to say if whatever plague has ailed the flyers after covid injury bugs people falling out of favor in the locker room whatever whatever you want to call it um who's to say that the flyers couldn't have replicated that again like i understand the idea that you know the roster is relatively the same but there are some differences you know have a new coach the gm this that the other but in that same vein even Brian just said it. It's relatively the same roster. I mean, there's a and... lot of pieces from that roster that are here. Um, but, you know, also, obviously, two of the biggest being Sean Couturier and Claude Giroux are not with the team currently, yeah. whether it be long-term injury or trade. Um, so there's a lot I, of pieces from that team here still. But like I said, I think tr- it's truly because they were playing above who they were at that time. Um, I'm not uh, Matt. I don't know if you have a, a different opinion on that, but I just think Sean Couturier is such a great player, especially when he's healthy. I mean, he won a fucking Selkie that year. Literally beat Patrice Bergeron for a Selkie, right? And then got hurt and hasn't played in over a year and a half. And he's so big, like he's a true shutdown center. It's like that's what this team is missing so bad. The be and then you take into you take into account two back surgeries too. Like when he comes back, who knows if he's even remotely the same guy? 
Yeah, that's why I hope the you know, he finds a way to get back this year. Kind of like what Kevin Hayes did, like get back. What's the point though? Get some games. Get some games. Get some games. No. Get some no little point. bit of confidence. Understand what you have to do this offseason in order to return to the position that you were before the injury. And then I, just get a little bit of confidence. Like the dude. I don't know if he can gain that. confidence this season though, because getting out there, confidence getting, on a very bad team. Just getting out there is, is hard to do. Like there is nothing. No, no matter what's going to happen, like they they are where they are. But just getting out there and getting shifts in and you know just playing again is so big. Like Kevin Hayes talked about last year after his injuries, like just getting back to him, just getting back and getting into at least a couple of games meant so much to him and his psyche. Like that's where I'm like, kind of like it kind of has happened. It's like the psyche, the psyche of like, you know, trying to make your way back and then something goes wrong and then you have another back surgery and then you basically had to start all over. Like the psyche is lingering. It's mounting. Mountain. But that's why I don't. And if you I don't get bring back, him back, if you get him back, and he's able to play three, four games, three, four games, and he you know gets a shift, maybe gets a point or two, it's just confidence, and he understands what he has to do to get right to be a piece come next year. I don't. I don't bring him back either. I trade him in the offseason. I, I, I There's too many things that have to go right this season. It's the problem. I, I don't think you trade him because while I understand, while I understand, at this stage the the team has to be blown up to some degree. Um, I feel like him. I feel like you you keep him or you keep Kevin Hayes because you have to have that veteran piece in the locker room. And you could argue that could be Scott Law, and you could argue that could be who else is on this goddamn roster. Uh, I'd keep Scott Lawton be. because he's not better than Kevin Hayes or right. John Gutierrez. Keep the bad guys, the ones that are like arguably not good. But so I still want they don't that help get wins because we that, can't that win right now. Better. I mean, well, yeah, I'll give you that. But I mean, that's why I say you trade one of Hayes or Gutierrez. You don't trade both. Keep at least one of them so you have that veteran presence that's been been there for a while, a long while. Um, and just kind of just not someone you build the team around, but like like a Justin Williams, like a Justin Williams at Carolina. You know what I mean? <gasps> what do you, Matt? Did you just see that? I don't know what just happened. That I would I would move off Nick Sealer. I, I like Nick Sealer. To be honest, okay. With you. He, he, now, yeah, Nick Sealer just him. Nick Sealer just is some um, nasty, nasty. Uh, hop on Twitter in a couple minutes and, um, and he's talking to look just, at him. He's just fucking that hard was gross. I just wouldn't move off this guy. I'm glad they didn't trade him. I hope they bring him back next year. Uh, now, he's like he's definitely one of the, he's one of those kinds of players that I could see being part of that long term deal. That is, if he he wants to stay here, obviously, which is which is a huge question that you have to ask yourself for any of these young talented players. Do they feel like being here? You know, I feel like the answer is no a lot more often than the answer is yes. I think the answer is yes for a good amount of players besides. But why? 
right? I like, just love being obviously, flyers. obviously, like, Scott Lawton loves being a flyer. I'm he not talking about Scott Lawton. I, I said young, talented players, not Scott Lawton. Like, okay. Like I, I think Ivan Provorov kind of fits in that position. I think he would want to be Is on a team that kind of fits his system, that, under, that you know, can be more of a, a run-and-gun type of defenseman that I think he wants to be rather than just be a, a stay-at-home, stay-at-home D-man. Which I think the Flyers are having them play as right now, because um, well, we need it. We have no defense, right? But uh, I think he would be the one of those players. But I think like the young players, like I think Joel Farabee wants to stay here, I and mean, he mentions how much like because his dad grew up in the area. Um, I think you know Travis Konechny wants to be part of that leadership core moving to the for moving forward. Um, I like. You know, Owen Tippett's still a young man. I, I like what he brings. I think he's a walking 30-goal scorer come next year. He'll be a 30-goal Owen, Tipp- Owen Tippett is another one of those guys that I think can be a part of that five-plus-year endgame. I think Owen Tippett but, is a like, When we talk player. about five-plus years, this league is all about making They understand what makes money. And the Philadelphia Flyers have always made this league money. From the seventies on, from the seventies on, this league has always made money off the Flyers being good, and there's no purpose. They haven't of won a this... cup since nineteen seventy-five. But they've been a great product for all the generations, and that's what makes money. That's what championships drives make money. The... Ask Chicago fans. Ask the Chicago uh, organization. So... Ask yeah, the Rangers organization. These metropolitan teams, good Rangers, only won one cup in the span of seventy years. So let's not go jump on their fucking dick right now. They want one. Like having these metropolitan teams good makes this league so much more money. And why would they make them bad? Because they enjoy it? Sure, probably. Well, the probably Gary Batman. Probably in some sadistic way. At the end of the day, he's not stupid and he knows the Flyers make this league money. But how are you going to have always will? Huh? Like you're you're suggesting some sort of extra 4D chess kind of collusion. The league can't force collusion. the Flyers it, to be good. It can. You can give them fucking top end talent. You can't. You can. It's a draft it's lottery. A draft lottery. See, I just I don't I don't partake in the uh, assumption that the league has some sort of control over what happens here. That's bullshit, bullshit dude. Of course they control it. Of course they do it. If they control, if they controlled it, then why do they keep giving these really good picks to really bad franchises? If they control, that's because they were the worst at the end of the year. Toronto, I mean, I mean, they gave fucking Rangers Lafreniere, and they were like just about where the Flyers are. They were like the third worst team in the league, not the first worst team in the league. They were like counter counterpoint. If the league is so dead set, if Gary Bettman is so dead set on Arizona being a team that sticks around in the NHL, why do they have no talent? They have the talent. best rookie, the best rookie they have drafted in X number of years, arguably, is Clayton Keller. Well, Jacob Chickren. Jacob Yeah, you, know, you, you look at I guess, kid like but I'm Logan talking like. Cooley. I'm talking like franchise-changing talent. Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, 
Lafreniere, you could probably argue, even though he's not living to that potential in New York, he was someone that was touted like that. And yeah, do you remember that absolute none of them? Do you remember the absolute dreck the Edmonton Oilers were before Connor McDavid? They had so many first overalls and continued to fail. And to the, the it point just kept that, happening. To the point that they had, I'm pretty sure they're one of the main reasons the league changed the lottery rule now to prevent multiple teams from getting that same first overall pick year after year yep. after year after year after year. Now, yes, there so, is a percentage chance because it is a lottery. I understand that. Yes. But you have to be one of the four worst teams in the league. Right now, the Flyers are outside that top four. So right now, they're just strapped with a sixth overall pick. Which, unless you catch some sort of ridiculous kind of luck, you're not going to get a organization-altering player. You're just not. Well, You'll get a talented player. Don't get me wrong. In this draft, in this draft, what's sounding like what's going to happen is you have Connor Bedard, who is going to be that Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid-style player that will 100% change the franchise around next year maybe in year two of his his nhl career everyone else you're looking at maybe a three-year entrance period right so you could argue that at at number six if the flyers stay where they're projected to be at right now before the lotto you're going to find someone that will change your your um your season around in about two to three years depending on who they get um, I mean, hell, from the way things are sounding, um, Mitchkov, I don't, I can't pronounce his first name, but Mitchkov, who was the touted second overall pick, seems to be falling down basically into the Flyers' lap from the sounds of things. He's gone from two to, I think, about like somewhere between six and ten because of Russia issues that I'm not going to get into, personality issues. There, there's been a number of things I've heard that have, hurt his his draft stock a little bit but if you guys can get that a projected second round guy that fell to six that could turn your season around in the season who knows so i i i don't know what the flyers need to do i feel like the key is going to be what briere and is key when i say this what Breer is allowed to do. Because I feel like there's a difference between what Breer wants to do and what he's allowed to do. Well, and we really don't know what, what per- he wants to do. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, that's where he wants to do what he wants to do too, yeah. We don't know well, what he exactly wants to do. We don't know how he feels on a lot of players. That's not necessarily the point I'm I'm making. I have heard from a number of different places that Chuck Fletcher in his entire NHL GM career has been more of a puppet GM than an actual GM. You look at Everyone his time in Minnesota. Everyone seems to love Chuck Fletcher. After because because him, he's a puppet. He just does what the like organization Ellie, wants him to do. Elliot Freeman's like, oh, what a great guy. Like, true gentleman. And then the boys on a Ben Chicklets were like, oh, Chuck Fletcher. Like, you can't say enough great things about him. I'm he's like, probably a really like, good guy. I mean, yeah, I, being I, a great guy doesn't make you a good GM. That's you know, that's no, that those I mean, have listen, no correlation. I'm I'm a great, a great guy. guy I think I'm a good hockey player. Also, but that's not, they might be uh, opposite. So 
Like I, I'm a great guy in a lot school. of situations. This is the best way I can put it. I'm a great guy in a lot of situations. I think you boys could attest to that. In a lot yes. of situations, though, I feel like I'm not necessarily a doormat, but I'm I feel like someone that can get walked over in certain situations. Uh, right. and, and I, I feel think like that... that's Chuck Fletcher. Yes. Chuck agreed. Fletcher isn't a doormat. He's as someone with uh, the initials uh, SD have said, Chuck Fletcher is a dartboard. He is someone that the fran- uh, a franchise, not the franchise, a franchise can put out to the public and take all the all the the hate, the tomatoes, the shit, whatever you want to throw at him because he's the guy the the organization makes look like is pulling all the strings on the team and making the team do the things that they're doing. When in reality, it's the Minnesota Wild owners, the Philadelphia Flyers owners, all telling him things they want to do and handcuffing him in a way where he can't do his job properly. And the team suffers for it. I feel like Buffalo was the same way. Buffalo, for the longest time, I felt like suffered from ownership. And now look at them. Mm Mm-hmm. Like a, a flip of the switch now, they're competing for a playoff spot with unreal talent when everyone well, look, was trying they to did, get the hell out did, of it. They did a lot of good deals in moving very pertinent, like Jack Eichel, players within their organization to get well, that was, other good that players. That was after ownership. Right, yeah, that was the after the whole here. neck issue, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but that, that was, and even like Ryan O'Reilly said the same thing. Robin Leonard said the same thing. It was not a fun organization to play for. And I don't think that comes from the GM. Some of it could come from a coach. I don't know. But a lot of that comes from what ownership is dictating as what they want as a culture, as a team, as a franchise, you name it. And when that mindset gets pulled away a little bit, Things start to open up. I mean, look at the Minnesota Wild now after Chuck Fletcher. It seems like they've been giving a little bit of free range to do whatever they want. I don't know who the GM is currently. Um, but the emergence of Krill Kaprizov has made a massive difference. That they're handcuffing themselves with Parise and Sutter. I don't know what the hell is gonna happen there. But they are a team that's kinda on that upswing. Bill Gary Buffalo is. Is the general manager of the wild. Um, Buffalo is probably the greatest example of ownership kind of taking a step back and re-evaluating what they have. And now they're a team that's on the complete upswing that no one saw coming. So if, in my mind, if Briere is allowed to do his job and not have someone constantly in his ear saying... Don't spend all this money on this guy. Don't do this. Trade this guy because we don't like him. This, that, the other thing. If he can do his job and complete whatever his vision is, whether it's to completely change how people view the Flyers, whether it's to bring back the Broad Street bully era of the Flyers, whatever you want to dictate as your Philadelphia Flyers for 2023-24, I think you guys see this upswing come your way and you see another hot run of 2020 that doesn't fizzle out halfway through the season. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's obviously a lot at play here. So specifically, you know, how many hands are on the wheel of this team? Is it just Dana Briere gets to make decisions or are the old 
guys that have always been with the team and have truly been one of the biggest parts of the team's demise, a.k.a. Paul Holmgren, Bill Barber, and Bobby Clark. Well, they also have their hands on the wheels, I guess. Time will tell. But it's also the the fact that they're going to break up that general, what Chuck Fletcher had as in the general manager, president of hockey operations. Like they're going to bring in more voices. So more voices are going to be heard. Whether, whether whoever makes it, I mean, whoever is going to be the face of the decision, probably going to be Danny. He's That's probably usually going to be the general manager. Um, but there's going to be more voices. They're going to want more opinions because they kind of, you know, talk about the Hextall area era when there really was just Hextall making moves and not really him listening to other people's opinion. I don't think they want well, that. I think they want I think that opinions goes back to, to what flowed. I was saying. Yeah, they want opinions think, to be flowed. No, I think that just... I think the Hextall thing goes back to. Hextall was a puppet. And we saw what he's been able to do in Pittsburgh when he's not necessarily the puppet. Yes, they've the Penguins have come back the other way now. They're, they're not looking as hot as they once were. But there was a period where we talked about the Penguins like we're talking about Tampa now, where they were unstoppable force that could go on to win was three, with, four cups in a row. That was with Phil Kessel on their team and not Ron Hextall and as their general manager. Was Hextall yeah, Ron Hextall, I, I believe this is only his second year as their general manager. Is it really? They, they haven't yeah. won, the longer. Penguins haven't won a playoff series since yeah, well then, fuck 2015 me. when they beat the Flyers in the first round. Yeah, that was their last playoff series win. Yeah, no. I mean... Was it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, one of the, it's a situation, huh? obviously, that as a Flyers That's fan, cool. sucks. Hundred percent. Um, it it's going to be a tough, tough road down the stretch here. Uh, it's going to be a tough future. There's not a whole lot that's super bright about it. Um, this off season, I think, is going to be a. Uh, you're going to see a lot of Flyers names, uh, big ones, going elsewhere and being traded for different types of assets. I'm just interested to see as to what kind of assets some of these people could uh, bring in, depending on who the players are, where they're getting traded to, et cetera. Um, I'm hopeful that the ideas the organization has are good ones. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm abundantly confident, but uh, that's pretty much my final say on it. Uh, Matt, do you have any concluding remarks on uh, our beloved franchise? Yeah, I think it. I think a grass will be greener. I think they were able to draft some pieces that direct the puck to the net, like some real shooters, like you know Forrester, Cutter Gautier. I think these guys actually look to get the puck to the net, which they're this team's lacking because they're really handicapped in offensive potential, uh, offensive, you know, offensive skill right now. Love is like your young team, like you know, the seventh in the league in youth. Uh, I think they'll get younger because they kind of need to. Um, and you're gonna see some kids really shine for this team, but that takes time, like that's no doubt about it. That takes time. Um, it will get better, like I said, the league 
does not want the Flyers to suck because there's no point to having a franchise that makes the sport money suck. There's no point to it. I just, so I really Arizona don't, I really don't subscribe to the whole collusion thing. I don't know what the league could possibly do to orchestrate them being a better franchise. I don't think that that's something that happens, to be honest with you. They find a way, man. They they know exactly what they have as far as like who their teams are that make them money. Let's be honest. Arizona isn't going to make them the money that Philadelphia and Chicago will make them. So they're going to find a way to make these teams good. Find a way. As far as, you know, what Danny's going to do, uh, I think he's going to be a well-spoken face of the franchise. Uh, I think he will make some bold moves, especially early. Like, I think you're going to see some fan favorites be gone. Um, I think he'll be able to – I don't know how he writes ship. I think – think he has a good understanding of what he wants the Flyers to look like. Kind of like John Tortorella. Like, right. Kind of the same thing. And then, who knows? It's like, blink of an eye, it's like, oh, wow, Flyers have all these young pieces, and they have established leadership core, and then they have st- they have above-average goaltending in both the starter and backup, and it's like, wow, it's like, that was quick. It's going to be five plus years. It's not going to be quick. Who knows, man? Who knows? And who knows who falls? Who knows who falls in all these top end teams in the metro? You know, you know, it goes like this. Always does. See, the problem with the ebbs and flows idea is, as a as a Flyers fan, we don't we haven't had ebbs and flows. We've had a singular plateau since 2011 and a steep down. That's what we've seen for the past 10 plus years. It's not yeah, been, I mean, fun. They committed, not been fun. They committed to guys who probably, you know, weren't that good enough to be committed. But then again, I also thought, you know, you know those like 2012, 2013 years were, I thought they were good. Like when they had Yager and Pronger, it's like they, they looked like a team that was poised. It just didn't have the goaltending. Uh, and now they have the goaltending and nothing really else. So it's uh always find a way, dude. It's like you, there's no way this sport sees all the other teams in Philadelphia, all the playoff games that are going on, all the electricity surrounding their playoff games, and they just like they're not gonna be like, oh, let's let this team be in the gutter of our league. Like they're not going to do that. But again, you're you're claiming league collusion, which would involve, like I said, 4D chess to not get figured out by somebody, anybody, or leaked by anybody, right? So that's not going to happen. The league's like, oh, maybe we we maybe they do wish the Flyers were a good franchise in order to have that kind of revenue come from the city. They they basically have to cross their fingers and hope that they make the right decisions to become a better franchise. I'd like. I don't believe that there's this almighty collusion from the league to make this team good. They just orchestrate the league and how it goes and how the league goes, it goes. You think they I want think, think legendary franchises being bad? Like, uh, you know, Detroit. Detroit. Detroit being bad for a couple of years now. 
You have um, the Kings not being great for a couple years now. They're in the um, playoffs. They're in the playoffs, but like not winning cups right now. You know, it, it's there's the a lot of, of Paul there's Bissonette, a lot of teams. the Western Conference champions are going to be the LA Kings. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's um, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard hard stretch. We'll see, man. I'm glad they were. Um, it was time. I mean, I if you talked to a lot of fans, it was well time to get rid of chalk. You know how everything played out. The you know the the trade deadline and how much little he did. Uh, the the meet the town hall where the fans voiced their displeasure, and it's just all timing. It's like it it needed to happen. I'm glad Dave Scott realized it needed to happen because, you know, people aren't right. people aren't happy. No, and a lot of people weren't happy. Most of the fans actually, but oh man, well that that took up a whole lot of time. If you folks are still here at the end, we very much appreciate it. Uh, unless you guys have any other NHL news, that is going to conclude this episode. I don't think there was anything that broke while we were talking, so no. Alrighty. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you guys keeping uh, keeping on listening to us uh, is awesome, and we'll always appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at OTPP Pod on both. After you hit the follow buttons, there you can go ahead and click that link in the bio and head to our merch store. We got all the merchandise that you're gonna need for the uh, still cold days here in the, in March and the coming spring and summer ahead of us. We got all the stuff you're gonna need there. Uh, go ahead and plug the Twitch, Adam. Twitch TV slash on the power play. I'm my life is getting fucking crazy, so I don't know what streams are going to happen. But you can go back and watch all the uh, the stuff that I have done in the past. Like I said, my creative brain is still actively in motion. I just got to find the the time and the energy to get all those creative ideas out. But you can find all that stuff at twitch.tv slash on the power play. Follow, subscribe, whatever the hell we do on Twitch, and uh, yeah, we'll have some fun at some point. Hell yeah, he does great stuff on there, folks. So please go watch it and watch it video on demand because they do have those on there. As always, thank you so much for listening and we out.